I'm Phil Rickaby, and I've been a writer and performer for almost 30 years. But I've realized that I don't really know as much as I should about the theater scene outside of my particular Toronto bubble. Now, I'm on a quest to learn as much as I can about the theater scene across Canada. So join me as I talk with mainstream theater creators you may have heard of, and indie artists you really should know, as we find out just what it takes to be stage-worthy. If you value the work that I do on Stageworthy, please consider leaving a donation either as a one-time thing or on a recurring monthly basis. Stageworthy is created entirely by me, and I give it to you free of charge with no advertising or other sponsored messages. Your continuing support helps me to cover the cost of producing and distributing the show. Just four people donating $5 a month would help me cover the cost of podcast hosting alone. Help me continue to bring you this podcast. You can find a link to donate in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app or at the website at stageworthy.ca. Now, on to the show. Jacob Willis and Kendall Parks are the founders of Parlous Theatre. This summer, they will be taking their show Insert Clown Here to fringe festivals in Toronto, Hamilton, Calgary, and Edmonton. In this conversation, we talk about the origins of Insert Clown Here, how they came together as collaborators, their theatre origin stories, and so much more. Here's our conversation. What, what four uh, festivals you guys taking your show to? We are going to the Toronto Fringe, Hamilton Fringe, Calgary Fringe, and Edmonton Fringe. It's always fascinating how different the fringes are, though, isn't it? Like, each one is its own animal that likes different things. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Kendall, if you have too much fringe experience or any at all. I only have Toronto and Edmonton experience. So it's definitely going to be a fun journey that we go on. It will be fun. I actually have barely any fringe experience. Um, I In like 2020, I think I watched a couple shows online. Or was it 2021? I don't... Time... The timeline is... Gets a little wonky What there. is What is time? What is exactly. pandemic time? Yeah. So yeah, this will be all very new for me. Are you from Toronto or did you grow up elsewhere? I am from Toronto. I'm from the GTA, Brampton. See, here's, here's, see, but I mean, Brampton, it's not the same because, you know, uh, it's Brampton and they're separate cities. So, uh, and, and Toronto, for the most part, anybody who's not in theater doesn't give a shit about Fringe. Um, whereas in Edmonton, the entire city mm-hmm. comes out for Fringe. So they're very different, very different animals. And I always tell people who are only familiar with with Toronto that they haven't fringed until they've done like Winnipeg or Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like we only get the sun for like four months out of the year in Edmonton. They like they're like, whoa, it's hot and there's people outside and there's beer and there's theater. They're like, let's go the entire city. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So why don't we jump in? Um, I I was looking at at your notes and I was like, okay, so we've got tall Kendall, short Jacob. <laughs> forgot we wrote that yeah. 
<laughs> we'll have to do them. We, we should have put measurements on our walls. We should have like <laughs> just so that I could see that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly what all our comedy is about. It's it's definitely at least half just about. Comedy. Yeah, it's an important part of our duo. That's that's good stuff, though. That's good stuff. Well, why don't we jump in and uh, tell me about Insert Clown Here? Yeah. Um, Insert Clown Here is a show that Kendall and I co-wrote, co-directed. And it's a bit weird. The premise is, I guess, we wrote a full melodramatic Chekhovian style one act. And on the night of every performance... The lead actor goes missing and inserted in is a random unrehearsed clown every single night and let the chaos ensue, essentially. Now, are you, is it, is it one of you two that's going to be the clown or do you bring in a, a, a hapless oh, no. stranger? We bring in a stranger. We get a new clown for every performance. So for every, the show can never be the same twice. Every performance is a brand new clown who has not read the script and knows pretty much nothing about the plot. And they're expected to perform. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's that's terrifying for everybody. That's terrifying for the clown, but I can't imagine that it's at all like safe for the two of you. Yeah, I think we like we've done it a couple times and I feel like the cast the rehearsed cast and the clown have a great time doing it. And it's just Kendall and I just gripping our armchairs on the side being like, okay, <laughs> let's get a move on. Or like we have a time limit or, you know, like <laughs> see, that is always the danger with that kind of show is, is you've got, you know, some cities are more brutal than others about that, about that time limit, but they're going to turn off your lights or they're going to turn on the lights. Right. So you've, you've got to be like, I'd be like on that on that time. I remember seeing a show at the Montreal Fringe years ago, and it was largely improvised by the performer. Um, but they just had the 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 tech who was running their 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 lights and sound just went ten minutes like right into the mic and like just was like that. And that was how they how they kept on track. You know, it was wild. It was wild. Yeah, that's. I mean, was that like something like for their show? Did that throw them off or was it? No, it was sort of like occasionally they had the the house tech pipe in with stuff um, to try to, you know, direct them or keep them on track. So it wasn't like this voice out of the blue. We'd heard that voice before, but it was also like I, we were in the audience. We were all wondering, like, how do you wrap this up? How do you do this? And uh, that was how. Wow. So hard to know, though. Like, it's almost like you need somebody who's going to who's gonna be, like, doing this on the sidelines, like, tapping their wrists so that everybody knows they have to wrap shit up. Yeah. I mean, we did have that problem. I mean, we did this show as a workshop in a festival format that was similar to with a time limit that's actually shorter than the one we have for Fringe, which is nice. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's a problem. I think we have a nice thing of not having it all be improvised. You know, the actors have done the show. They know how long it should go. And I mean, they're the clown wranglers. I mean, for for lack of a better term, um, they they can up the pace or down the pace. And I mean, there's also 
I mean, yeah, us on the side as the directors that, you know, can kind of come in if needed. Yeah. Yeah, it's the job of our actors to sort of keep track of the pace and the timing and make sure if the clown is too slow to get them to go a little faster or vice versa. <laughs> so, yeah, that's part of our rehearsal process is like we bring in test clowns and they get practice with the timing of it. I don't know how you could do it without test clowns. So 100 percent, 100 percent important. Um. What is, what was the genesis of this show? How did this show come about? So we, Kendall and I both um, went to school at Toronto Metropolitan University, formerly Ryerson, at uh, in the BFA acting program. And in our fourth year, we had, a, it was kind of a culmination of all of our years of work, and it was called a, a New Voices Festival. And that was uh, our first opportunity as artists to kind of present our own work. Um, so I came in with really just the premise, nothing prepared and my idea that I must have, I think, stolen from seeing some sort of improv show in the past and then culminated into this idea of being like, I just want to do a show where we insert a clown as the lead character. Um, and then I came to Kendall and went, will you help me write this? And help me make it good and thankfully she said yes and that yeah and we and we created it and this was the new voices festival that this was supposed to be a part of was 2022 correct jacob or 2021 again timelines i have no idea what time is 2020 i think it was 2022 so this was in our fourth year and we had just come out of our third year which was entirely done on zoom so we did our whole third year of theater school on Zoom, which is where um, we did clown training on Zoom. And we also did like a checkoff show. We did checkoffs three sisters in like a Zoom performance. And so um, in fourth year, when we returned to semi in-person classes, we were really set on just making something live. We wanted to do live theater in a show that could only be done live, which is insert clown here. And I think it was heavily inspired from our experience in third year with the clown and with the checkoff. Yes. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. It was very much like, I want to do a, a checkoff show where we add a clown in. And then unbeknownst to me, it was because we literally just did checkoff and clown. And I, I didn't connect those <laughs> dots until the way later. We had done it on Zoom. And so we wanted to do it in person. We wanted a chance to like, yeah, let's take those things that we did before, but let's do it live this time. Um, what what is it that brought the two of you together? I know that, that, that Jacob said that he he you know he he came to you, Kendall, and said, "Hey, will you help me on this?" Had you guys worked together before? Were you creative kindred spirits? What was it that that brought you together? It's so interesting because no, we we had gone to school for like four years together, and like just in our fourth year, did we like write a whole play together? Um, I think I don't know. What, what do you think, Jacob? What was it? I think, sorry, it's, I just asked you a question and then I'm going to answer it. Um, it was like, uh, I think we had witnessed each other's work from like afar. And I think we just like really sort of respected and admired each other's like sort of sense of humor and sense of play. Yeah. Okay. You take it, Jacob. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it's really funny. Kendall and I um, are like really different people. Like um, a lot of people that, 
have a lot of our close friends and a lot of the people that we've you know presented with they're like you are the weirdest duo that like works really well like it's like it's like we came out of nowhere as this as this duo that no one ever expected to be a duo and it was yeah I think I we we read a, a play that Kendall wrote and just I found it hilarious like it's exactly my humor um we both like this kind of absurd um over the top satiristic humor and so um that's yeah that that was really it I, yeah I thought it would work well together so you mentioned that the, you know you did some of your your stuff on on Zoom um did you guys start in did you start school in 2019 or in 2020 2019 we started in 2018 yeah, 2018. Okay, so you you were not one of the cohorts that spent the majority of your time in Zoom. You had like a couple of years of being in person before being relegated to Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yes, thankfully, so thankfully. Yeah, because I really feel for the the students that that are go to some of the three year schools who like started school in like 2019. And then in March of 2020, they're like out like there's they're like and or the ones that started in the fall of 2020 who were like mm. spending two years in, like their most of their 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 educational experience. Um, was it frustrating to go from uh, Zoom or from in person to Zoom? Was it like how were we supposed to do this? Like what was that experience like? I mean, it was so frustrating. It was, yeah, it's weird to think back on it. It it feels like such an odd time. But to go from like having like these large like studio classrooms where we were doing movement and voice to like being in my tiny bedroom doing movement and voice, it was quite the adjustment. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, at the time, I and I still do, I live with two roommates and both of them happened to also be in the same class. So it was like just tight and hectic. And you're doing movement class on Zoom where you're like kind of running around, but there's all three of us here. And we, it's, it was, it was frustrating. It was, it was, and I think a little bit, it, it was, we were kind of angry at it. And so it, that affected our willingness to learn a little bit. Um, at least I can speak for myself. And in that case, yes. I mean, it's so, it's got to be so hard. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, for your day job, like a lot of people who, you know, doing their day job and their day job goes online. That's one thing. Um, but your day job was mostly sitting at a desk anyway. But then to try to do like the movement and the voice class and the dance and all of this stuff in a tiny apartment has got to be maddening. So uh, kudos to you guys for managing to get through it. Yeah. Right. And, and it was quite the achievement, I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 Give, why don't we give our, ourselves the pat? I mean, it was, it was definitely, I mean, I, I'll say like it was difficult, but we were also lucky to, I mean, be in theater school in Toronto and downtown Toronto as well at the, at the same time. So, I mean, I try to look at both sides. So, I mean, if only to make myself a little less angry at it, um, that's what I tell myself. Um, 
Uh, one of the you've mentioned the cast. How big is the cast for this show? Aside from the two of you as the directors and the clown, how many people are in this or in this in this show? Five. <laughs> Five actors plus the clown. So yeah. Okay, wow. I know wow. big big cast. And we even cut a character from our workshop performance. We okay. we knew it was big. We were like, how low can we get it? And the answer was only one less. Well, here's one of the questions. I mean, logistically, finding a, a new clown when you're touring, like going to different places and finding clowns in new places. Um, what's that process been like? How have you found the clowns for your insert clown here? Yeah, that's been, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way. I mean, there's something really neat about having a new local performer come in every show. I mean, for one, it's like, you get access to each local performer's set of viewers or their circle or their connections to come see them, that they want to see them um, stumble through our wacky show. And then uh, there's the other side of the sword. Oh, sorry. We're going back to the good side of the sword. We get to meet so many new amazing artists, which has been amazing. Um, and, ex and expand our community and our circle, which has been so, so, so fulfilling. Going to the other side of the sword, yeah, we have to get like 24 different clowns to all say yes to their specific dates and like organize all of that. And that has been crazy. So we did some like we we asked some people, some friends of friends, and then we did some calls. Um, so we did like a public call on our socials and we put it on Tampa for Ontario and then Alberta, luckily, I have connections in Edmonton, and we have friends in Calgary, and we're going to try to put it on like the similar notice boards, I guess you could say, in those locations to to reach out, and clowns can submit with a, a little video, and we get to see a bunch of silly clowns do these all their fun bits, and that's been really fun. Do you have a plan for like if do you have like backup clowns in case somebody like can't do it on the night? Because you know you sort of like wrangling people well in advance and then who knows what's going to happen do you have like a backup clown that you can like call in as your ringer fortunately we have friends who have trained in clown who i'm sure if we were in like a pinch could call up i think i think we could do that yeah this is something that i've thought about um and we hope it doesn't happen but I think the show, we've written it in such a way that, yes, we can we can call up clowns. I mean, we have um, a couple on, on standby or friends with training. And at the end of the day, our final resort, which some people might kind of sue at, is we can pull in a, a willing audience member to do the show if they so choose and so would, so want. That That's such a dangerous thing to do for an audience. like Because a lot of audiences are like, They'll be like, audience participation. Nobody warned me. Yeah. <laughs> so rough. So rough. Which which I may have to look into the logistics of that for fringe. We may not be able to do that. One of the things that 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 uh I'm curious about was is 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 the writing process for this show. So you 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 write a script knowing that you're gonna throw in a clown character. When you wrote the script, did you have the lines that the clown character was going to going to do, or do you have like clown does something here, or like how do you write a script knowing that at some point 
somebody who has no idea what the script is is going to come in and 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 mess it all up. Yeah, that was definitely something we thought about while writing it. It is a fully written script, so all of the um, the character that the clown will be replacing, their lines are fully written. It's a full thought out plot. It's all there. Um, but we also wrote it in a specific way to sort of add like little prompts for the clown here and there. So um, giving like presenting opportunities for the clown to change the story or to like affect the story and however they will. But yeah, so it is a fully written script that does work without inserting a clown, but it is there's room for the clown to really affect the story. Yeah, we've kind of done a little bit of a what's what's the word? We've it's it's an interesting show to promote because um we can't say too much about the story because the premise is that a clown can't know what it is. Um but Kendall's absolutely right. Like the character that the clown replaces is the lead in the play. Fully written all their lines as is. Um but they don't drive or I shouldn't say that the 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 supporting characters around them really have the movement uh plot movement ability in the play and they can they can take the baron and prompt the baron oh i've just spoiled the character name oops that's all right see this kind of thing is is like like it's there's something like mr beanie about it it's but of course, you mentioned like promoting the show and promoting a show is always a challenge. But then you have this thing now where people are like, clown, I don't like clowns. And so uh, uh, how do you come? How do you plan to combat that when you're pitching to audiences, the people who are like, oh, but I don't like clowns. Yeah, yeah, that's that was also one thing for us. Which is yeah, you're you're so right. They're like, I I can't go to a clown show. I mean, and so many people have this fear of clowns, which I find very interesting. But it's very clownish in the sense of of Mr. Bean clown. Like you kind of hit it on the head there. It's not like a circus de soleil or a. Uh, um, this is not a birthday party clown. <laughs> it's not everyone. This is not a birthday party clown, and we promise. Just so you know, it's not a birthday party clown. So it's not Tim Curry as it. No. Well, no, no. It's it's definitely not that. It's it's a clown in the sense of of just like a a a fool like like your person like um you could say red nose but it's not even full red nose. It's like just an honest, open human being who is going to let themselves vulnerable vulnerable human being that will let themselves just go along with this play yeah right right mm-hmm. um one of the things that that i always like to cover on this show is the origin story for the theater makers who come on the show because everybody has a thing or that a moment or something that 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 made them uh uh, uh want to do theater and kept them going so uh, for you guys, for the two of you, what what is your theater origin story? I'll start with you, Kendall. Yeah. Okay. I knew this question was coming, Phil. And I always I would I would think, what would I say when this question comes up? Um, 
it's just the way I've like sort of fallen into the theater world. It it feels like a snowball. And the more I learned about it and the more I realized, oh, this is like such a possibility and actually could be a feasible career. Like the more I went into it, it started like I, my mom would take me to shows when I was a kid and would be like, you could do that. And I was like, hmm, maybe I can do that. And then I realized that like a school for the arts was like a real thing and I could actually audition and go to one. And I was like, I want to do that. So I went to a school for the arts and then just like being in theater and like reading plays and seeing more and more shows and then realizing, whoa, wait, I can study theater in a university? Wild. Sign me up. So I did. And then uh, TMU was just like a great so great at developing not just an actor but like a complete theater artist and so just expanding not only can I act but we can devise theater we can write theater we can direct theater um and like somehow I ended up here with Jacob with this show called insert cloud here going to four fringe festivals this summer that's that's how I got here that's pretty wild um, before I go over to, to, to you, Jacob, I have a, a couple of follow-ups, uh, uh, Kendall. Um, you went to see shows. You went to a, uh, a, you know, uh, an arts school. A lot of people do that. A lot of people you know, go to see shows and they go to art school. But the majority of those people do not follow through with theater as a career or the arts as a career in general. But let's, we'll, we'll focus on theater. Um, mm. what, at what point and, and what is it that made you say, oh, no, this is it for me. This is what I'm going to do. What what moment was that? I don't even know if it was. Like, I don't even know if I can pinpoint a specific moment. It's literally just the power of theater to, like, help me sort of understand myself and understand the world around me. And just, like, the power of seeing shows and, like, I like I'm I can't even really articulate it, but I can through theater, if that makes sense. Like I can't sit here on a podcast and talk about why I love theater so much, but I can I don't know. It's in Oh, I don't no, know. No, I get it. I get it. I, I, I will tell you, I'll tell you I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Um, you know, for me, as as somebody who, you know, I think I wanted to be an actor since I found out what it was when I was like five or six, right? And so that was it for me all through all through my life. Um, and it was always going to be that way for me. I always knew that's what I wanted to be. You know, after I got over the, I want to be a fireman, a policeman, a doctor, all those, the three, the big three that you say when you're like a little kid. What, after that, it was like, oh, I want to do that. The only time I ever faltered was when I told my my guidance counselor in high school and they said, Oh, okay. I I don't know how to help you. Um, so, so that was the. I had a moment of like, oh, okay, this is weird. But then you know, I found I found a way to do it. So, for some people, it's just a thing. There's not a there's not a moment. It was just always was. Yeah, I think that's it. I yeah. Did you did you ever like when you were a kid? Did you do show? Did you put on shows when people came over? Yeah, it, it's it's funny my sister and I we would do shows all the time and we were the little like iPad kids like making movies at the park by ourselves um and it was more just for each other and for ourselves so we didn't actually put it on for any audiences it was just we would make shows 
for ourselves. Yes, we were always like creating and making things. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Jacob, uh, what is your uh, origin story? What's your theater origin story? Yeah, um, I didn't know this question was coming, um, but Kendall did kind of warn me, and I didn't. I don't think I listened, um, but. <laughs> Um, but for me, I, it, mine's a little bit different. Yeah. I, I grew up in Edmonton. I played sports my whole life. Actually, I grew up playing soccer. Um, and to my dad's chagrin, I went into grade 10 and stopped playing soccer, joined theater. Um, similarly to what you guys were kind of saying, um, I also, yeah, made, I made lots of movies, little movies when I was a kid. You know, PictoChat, if anyone knows PictoChat on the DS, where you'd make little like stick figure movies. Did oh, that yeah. all the time, Kendall, you know. Um, I know. And, and little things of, of like my mom likes to tell me, she's like, oh, you used to write me all these little songs and things when you're little. That I have no recollection of, but she keeps. So there's proof that I wrote songs, even though I'm not a, a very musically inclined, but I, I wrote songs. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, it was really like a mentor that I had in high school. Um, I joined theater. Uh, I went to W.P. Wagner School of Science and Technology, so no art school, but just a really passionate, caring teacher. Um, his name was Noel Taylor. He still works there. He improvises at Rapid Fire Theater. And he just really liked his job, really put his passion into it, put a lot of extra time into it, and it forced me to like it. Um, and I did the plays there, and I joined the improv team, and we did you know, all the, the school improv things, CIG, um, and those. And then I was conflicted. I graduated high school, and I was like, oh, I didn't think I was going to do theater. But now I love it. This like I love the friends I've made, the community I made, like how it makes me feel. So I took a year off and I was like, I'm going to figure this out. Um, and I auditioned for the Citadel Young Acting Company, and I was and got into that. And so then I was like, okay, well now I got to do this. I did the U of A Improv Group, and just it was like the best year of my life. I worked three jobs on the side, um, while doing that and I was like this is so awesome and maybe if I can do this I don't care if I have to work three jobs on the side this is what I like to do I flew to Toronto to audition for Team U and got in again so it just kind of like it was like yeah I think this is what you have to do um the doors just kept um the doors just weren't locked for me I guess and I kept mm. finding them and opening them now, you both came from another place to go to TMU. So, uh, 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 Kendall, you didn't have far to go, um, uh, but you came from Brampton uh, uh, to go to, to school in Toronto. Uh, Jacob, you, you came significantly further. Um, but, I mean, still, moving to a different place is, is still, uh, uh, it changes your life in many different ways. Um, what did you notice first, each of you? I'll start with you, Kendall. Um, when you first like moved to Toronto, I'm sure that being at Brampton, you'd like gone in, gone to Toronto, but it's different when you live there. So what 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 
Was there culture shock? What what surprised you the most? I think it was just like how this might be a little negative, but like it's it's not as exciting as it like seemed like when I was in Brampton. Like it used to be like, oh, let's go to let's do a little day trip in Toronto. Like it was an event to come to Toronto and like see a play or whatever. And then just being here. Um, yeah, it's just like how how normal it became, like how easily I got used to the city and everything. Yeah, it feels it feels very much like home. It wasn't too much of a culture shock. It's it it, it is funny when that happens because I think because I lived in I spent my youth my youth. That's so so dumb. Um I spent my teenage years in in the town of Ajax. So Toronto was just a half hour away, but Toronto was like this it was it loomed large, right? We would skip school. Sorry, mom. We would skip school on like a Friday and we would like uh, go to Toronto and all that sort of stuff. We would like have a great time. Um, and, you know, it, it seemed like a massive thing. And then you live here and it's like, oh, OK, this is normal now. Suddenly it loses its luster. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, how about you? What was that like for you? Yeah, there was. I mean, and I flew here to audition um, which was wild. It was really a big risk, I guess, financially for me because it was so. It's not a cheap flight, and it's not a guarantee either. Um, but I, the people, a lot of people. I mean, especially like young and Dundas. I mean, I just, <laughs> I am not used to that many people being on one sidewalk at all ever. Um, so that I just remember that specifically, and it wasn't, um, like like we were saying before, we came before the pandemic, so I flew here in 2018 and yeah a lot of people and I have a little bit of reverse culture shock now because I go back to Edmonton and I'm like whoa there's a sky that's crazy I can see like ahead of me and see blue sky whereas I live for for people who don't I mean I'm not going to tell you my address but uh I live right downtown uh Kensington Market so I've kind of embraced the people um part of Toronto and I love it now so we really have to, but I mean, I, I just, I mean, I was in, in Red Deer just a few weeks ago to do a show and I know Red Deer is not Edmonton, but again, it's like, there's like very, almost no high rises. It's very, everything is really spread out and people drive everywhere mm-hmm. other than walking. Um, so it's pretty wild to, to, like for me, that's the culture shock is nobody's walking and nobody's like taking in the city except from in their car. It's a weird, a weird thing. Yeah, yeah, you cannot really walk and like the transit system's not great. I mean, Red Deer is Red Deer also. So it's like there's you have to kind of have a car, which is very nice actually in Toronto. Just you can kind of bike anywhere that you need or or even walk. Yeah. So one question that I have about your show, just to sort of bring things back to to insert clown here. Um, So what is it about clown? specifically that made you want to include it in in this show that made you want to make it an integral part of the show that you were creating um yeah i think uh, having just like sort of studied or trained in clown in our third year um 
there's just such a beautiful like vulnerability about clown and just like being a performer in front of an audience and just feeling the feelings whatever they are and letting the audience in on how that feels and one thing that I loved about clowns so much and actually like really affected the way I approach like any of my arts or acting or anything now is just like 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 the celebration of failure when you fail in clown like it doesn't mean you like fail everything like you're not gonna die when you fail in cloud you're not gonna die when you fail anything but it's failure is such a scary thing but to fail in clown sort of relieves that fear and that pressure of being perfect and like this sort of perfectionist energy that I have sometimes clown just sort of releases that and I think we really just wanted to explore like what happens when we just like allow our performers to react honestly on stage without this pressure of being perfect especially as young artists who are just graduating theater school or and just starting our careers like what what will happen if we just let ourselves be vulnerable and celebrate failure rather than like fear it and run away from it well to me one of the things that's very interesting about clown is the fact that failure can be like the best gift that you can have as a clown right like mm -hmm. just if this had gone the way that i planned it i wouldn't have this moment to get out of this shit which is where the comedy ends up happening and it's so like it's the thing that you don't expect that just sort of suddenly makes the scene work mm -hmm. yeah and we've really <laughs> i mean we've really set the clown up for failure and there's this this quote that like kind of <laughs> um, resonates with me. I, I read it in a, a blog uh, by Nina Levine, a clown um, and instructor and teacher. And uh, she put it beautifully as like failure. Clowns use failure as a uh, springboard into the next moment. Um, it really they allow it to really, like you said, be the, be the comedy. That's where they live. They live in failure. If everything goes goes right, it's it's oh great. It's over now. Um, Whereas, yeah, exactly that. If it if it all goes to plan, the clown has absolutely nothing to do. That's why in a lot of ways, like the, the clown must in some ways be uh, innocent to the point of incompetence. In some cases, it's just like it works best if they just don't know anything. Yeah. And I mean... Our show is is very silly and it's it's um but we did kind of take that idea in when writing this. I mean, as Kendall and I, two young I am young, I'm not saying my youth is behind me. I am a young person. <laughs> um we're two young people kind of leaving the institution, leaving and kind of uh coming into the the real world, coming into the the art scene, coming into Toronto, and we kind of felt this fear. We kind of felt this anxiety this anticipation about going into this established world and so we made a show that we kind of felt like the clowns coming into into this community so we made a show that we made a play that is established it's written and the fun comes from you know the clown us not knowing what's going to happen but they're going to get through it and they're going to get the applause at the end and and that's what makes it amazing 
Um, usually, I have. When did you guys graduate? How 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 long ago? A year ago. A year ago. Okay. So it's not like this is like you just graduated. You've had like a year out in the world. Um, and this is like one of the, this is, you know, I, I, I remember my first year out of theater school. Um, cause it, that is a shock that can be a culture shock because the real world is not theater school. Um, are there things that you wish you knew as a new grad, um, coming into the industry from theater school? I'll say one that I think is super important. And I thought about this recently and I was like, we didn't do this, but they def- we definitely did. But I didn't understand the importance at the time. I think I was in first year when we did it. And I was like, I just want to act. But it was writing a grant. Being able to write a grant was it, like learning that is huge. And I don't think I mean, in our experience, we didn't really get a real good rundown. Um, And even just to expand that a bit, a lot of producing things we didn't really learn. Um, And you don't in an acting school. But like there's a lot of things, especially with doing a fringe show, um, that we have to learn how to do as as self-producers. So, yeah, the grant is the big one, though, because, I mean, you got to write grants. You know, I'll say I'll say one thing uh, about that because that's something that has not changed. Um, I mean, I was in theater school in the '90s, like the early '90s, and at the time we didn't talk about production. Like we didn't talk about production at all. That was not something we were going to do. We were going to be actors, and that's what they were training us to do. Um, at one point, somebody said, "Well, you know, you could always like do fringe theater as if that was like the lowest thing you could do." Um, when now it's like so important right the the need to create your own work is so important um and i wish that we'd discussed that too the good thing is that fringe is kind of like production with some training wheels because mm-hmm. there's all these supports so it's like getting you ready to produce it's not like like throwing you to the wolves at all it's there's there's there are the there are the supports um if if you take them not everybody does but if you take them, they can they can they can really help you. Kendall, yeah. is there anything that 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 you wish you knew? Um, I was going to say, yeah, I I didn't have anything to say. Then as soon as Jacob said grants, I was like, oh yeah, 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 that would have been real great to get some like practice on. Um, yeah, I think that might be the most important thing because yeah, we learned a lot about sort of creating our own work and um, developing as full artists, but then we got out into the real world world and we're like oh we need funding in order to sort of create the things we want and yeah just learning more about that whole side of it all would have been very helpful yeah one thing i guess not that i didn't know but something that i've come to realize how important it is now that i've i've graduated is like the community you build from your school so if you go to school like the community you build from that school I mean we have such a community coming out of TMU especially like recent grads grads uh, it, you don't realize like how um, I guess in our experience the how small 
the community can be or how many people know each other and like just really embracing your your community um which i think theater and art is is really about but that has been so so fulfilling and enriching and and something that i really realized is it has been a really, really big benefit to us um how much support there is that's super important like like you said community is super important and everybody you can't do you can't do this in a vacuum you need other people and so uh, it's it's good that 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 you're able to sort of leverage both your classmates and other alumni um just sort of as we start to to draw to a close um i'm curious about uh you know a lot of times you know this is like this is not only like your first like fringe festival production but it's your first fringe festival tour and so as you prepare for this have what have been the surprises the things that you were totally unprepared for that you had to overcome uh while you were preparing for the tour i think especially for me everything is so new i had no expectations so literally every part of this journey has been not a not a surprise but it's just like okay yes new things new experiences i don't know if you had any like jump out surprises jacob for doing a fringe tour i mean like you said um Fringe is really producing with training wheels. Um, but there's still a lot of things that, I mean, even like I, we're taking a, like a lot of interesting steps in marketing, um, which is, you know, kind of a thing we've, we've never done before. And also like figuring out the logistics of touring a show. I mean, um, flights, all that. Like, and so I would say just even though Fringe has all these benefits, um, there's still a lot of things that you got to do that even if you've never done um, like a tour, especially that uh, um, that you have to kind of figure out and, and, and get a hold of. And yeah, um, that it's kind of a crazy thing we're doing. It's like, and we're, instead of doing one show first, we're going and jumping into four shows in two huge cities. Um, but yeah, I think um, we're really leaning on a lot of support from our mentors and our and our past teachers, and and that has been really nice. You know, one thing I will say is, you know, you sort of like leaning into the clown ethos. You're gonna you like you learn everything from just sort of like throwing everything out there, right? You're just gonna be. You're just like, we'll figure it out. And in some ways, that's the best way to do it. You know, that's the best way to do it. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible that you're doing this. And, and, uh, I actually, I look forward to hearing about what the experience is like once your tour is done. So, uh, yeah. let me know. I want to hear about that. Yes, we will a hundred percent let you know. Um, hopefully the, the clown card, you know, keeps, keeps on a rolling, but, um, we'll let you know, <laughs> yeah. we'll let you know about all the speed bumps along the way for sure. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Kendall, Jacob, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for giving some time to me this evening. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you, Phil. It was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure talking with you. This has been an episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy is produced, hosted, and edited by Phil Rickaby. That's me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Those reviews and ratings help new people find the show. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And remember, if you want to leave a tip, you'll find a link to the virtual tip jar in the show notes or on the website. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the complete archive of all episodes at stageworthy.ca. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. See you next week for another episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy.